Uh, I, I think if you were going to make a movie, this is probably the movie to tell. And when a cameo post credit scene is the best bit in a film, you, you've got a problem. You can't expect a whole, literally a classroom full of kids to all act perfectly. I mean, that's not going to happen. Hello and welcome to Every Movie Rank, presented to you by the Angry Microwave. As always, I'm Brad. With me, as always, 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 is Callum. Callum, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm really excited. Like, I feel like we're really getting into the meat of this list now. And well, uh, we, yeah. we are. I feel like we're already starting to form a list that, um, that I'm unhappy with. So <laughs> We're doing <laughs> something right. We're doing something right. Um, obviously, on the last episode, we had David, um, who was a great first guest to have on the show. We've got plenty of more guests coming up, so stay tuned um, for that. Again, as always, we want to hear what you guys think of our list. So should we take a look at the uh, the current up-to-date list that we have of all movies ranked of all time? <laughs> let's, take, let's take a look. But first of all, don't shoot us. This is a collective list. Yeah, this is a collective list. Um, so from bottom to top, at the bottom we have, deservedly so, um, Hubie Halloween. Next up we have Ready Player One, followed by Batman and Robin at six, Midsummer at five, Soul at four, Happy Death Day at three, Wayne's World at two, and at the top, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, so Callum, I have a question for you. Yes. Now we've had a few days to uh, deliberate on the carnage that David brought to the show. Um, what are you? Uh, what are you feeling about the list? Are you happy with it? I'm still. I, I still think we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to explain why Soul is now on the Happy Death Day every time we get somebody on this show. Yep, we are. Um, hopefully, one of the guests will come in and use their power to to veto one of our decisions. Because when we have a special guest on, they can move one film up or down um, a place or two. Um, but. This this is what happens when you try and collaborate on uh, <laughs> collaborate on things. Um, but anyway, should we go straight into the first movie of today's show? Let's go take a look. It's El Camino, a film that I forgot existed. <laughs> uh, so who wants to take the first minute up on this show? Um, do, you, do you want to start today? I think I started last time. Okay, we'll, we'll start today. Um, so I have some notes below me, by the way. If, if it looks weird while I'm looking down, Your that's what I'm looking down. at. Your minute's going oh crap okay um i don't need a minute to talk about this film uh i think it's good i think it's a great addition to the breaking bad universe um maybe an unpopular opinion because i know how much you love the breaking bad tv series um i think this film is better than the last season um i honestly think it's i think it's a tight um however long the film is i think it's a tight runtime um aaron paul is probably better than he he has been throughout the entire series in my opinion um a few inconsistencies with um, some characters' appearance, shall we say? I mean, obviously in lockdown we've all put on a little bit of weight, but one of the characters in particular um, in the flashback scenes has put on a few pounds. Um, but I, I think, as a film, I think it works. It's a film that, um, apart from one scene in particular, I think you could watch without having to watch Breaking Bad, and it works on its own. I think it's an okay film, um, and I enjoyed watching it again. Okay, so. I don't hate this film. It's just, in, in, in all honesty, I just forgot this film kind of existed. Like it kind of came out. Like I think the I think the greatest enemy of this film is Better Call Saul. Obviously, we've had like I think five seasons now, maybe six seasons of all this kind of backstory on one character. And when we only get ninety minutes with El Camino, it's a bit. The other thing is, I wish I got to see this in a cinema. It didn't have a cinema release over here in the UK, and I just kind of wish I got to see it in that setting. But um. Yeah, I mean, Jesse is, he's developed in this. Um, Aaron Paul does a great job. Um, it's, it's got that really creepy guy, the creepy Matt Damon guy. 
um jesse plemons i think is his name yes mate <laughs> he's so creepy he plays his role so good so good but um yeah like it's fine i think for me uh initial impressions i would pull it a number six so that's below midsummer and above batman and robin i think that's where i'm gonna pitch it it was yeah so that's my minute Gone. Uh, so for you, it would go um, above Midsummer and under Soul. No, no, it would go below Midsummer and above Batman and Robin. Is what I'm feeling. Oh, okay. I okay. just, I, I thought it was all done really well, and I feel like if we hadn't have had Better Call Saul, this would have like filled that kind of Breaking Bad void in my life that I've had for five years now. But um, for me, it did, it did fit though, because even now, um, I mean, Better Call Saul certainly is growing into growing into the vibes i think and the aesthetics and and just the tone of breaking bad i think that you can say for the first few seasons of of um better call soul whether it's to do with the the characters that are there or not it just doesn't have the same tone um and nor should it because it is you know even though it's a a a prequel it's it's its own thing um but i've i really love this as an addition to um to the breaking bad verse um I, I think if you were going to make a movie, this is probably the movie to tell. Um, could I have done without it? Yes, because I think the ending um, of um, Jesse's arc in the TV series, um, it kind of gives you joy. You know, his last appearance in the show is him driving, spoiler alert for a TV series that ended like 50 <laughs> years ago. Um, it, it's him driving away and you know basically driving off into the sunset and i think to see what happens after that was always going to be a risky move um the one thing i didn't like about this and i'll be interested to know your opinion on is what do you think of the um appearance of uh of the protagonist of of breaking bad walter white himself um in el camino because to me that's the one part that actually threw me off i don't think you needed that in, in there this was film. There was no was... need for it at all. Like it seems like it was re- so spoilers for El Camino. But again, like I feel like I feel like if you was even interested in this, you would have watched it by now. It's not like a full fledged TV series. It's like a ninety yeah. minute film. But um, yeah, th- it just felt like it was written in to write a cameo in for Walter White when it just wasn't needed. Like yeah. it had no emotional impact at all. Like it was just like, oh look, do you remember Walter White? Here's a flashback from when Jesse and Walt used to have good times, and it was yeah. like. It didn't need that, and I felt that kind of like brought it down a bit. It, like bear, bearing in mind, there's so much more in this universe to explore, where Walter White could have popped up again in an actual emotional flashback. Yeah, it would made more sense, or or even like a flashback to several points. I just feel like it didn't need to be this whole like, oh look, we created a diner and we've created this whole setting. It mm-hmm. just had no emotional like. Yeah, I just thought it should have been. It should have been either a lot darker and looking at the kind of darker side of that relationship because ultimately that's what El Camino is kind of about is kind of basically saying like you've been through this shit and this is basically all, all Walter White's fault. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't do that in that flashback for me. Like as, as much as I remember it, it's look, oh look, it's Walter White more than look at how yeah. much of an arsehole he was to Jesse. I think for me, the only flashback you needed was the one that opened the um, opened the film um which which was a, a great um flashback to mike and um and jesse uh where mike's telling him you know what what are you going to do with with your money you should kind of run away and really get out of this life which is what again spoiler alert inevitably he does at the end and i think that's the only flashback that you needed and for me the one thing that the appearance of walter white does in this film is that he actually pumps the brakes on the um what was to that point i think a really 
tight film that was gradually building pace and it was really coming together. It just kind of pumped the, the brakes and the progress uh, in that film um, for me. I, yeah, I but, mean, um, one of the other coolest things about this film was the whole kind of like over, overhead camera movement. Like when they're searching through the flat for the money, I think. Yes. Uh, with Jesse Plemons, yeah. that whole camera thing where they built the full set so the camera could move throughout it. Technically, yeah. it was so beautiful. I was, I was, I was so fulfilled by seeing that camera movement kind of go around the whole flat. Oh, it was, it was so good. Absolutely love that bit. And I, I, I loved the the flashbacks where it essentially works almost like um, PTSD, where he's remembering what it was like. Um, in the cage and the jobs that he had to do. And even just seeing him take a shower for the first time in what would have been, what, months? Uh, I don't know how long he was captured for, but um, just, just seeing all of that unfold, I thought was was really powerful. And then it kind of just tailed off a little bit at the end. But I do think it's a really way, uh, well-made film. I think if you haven't seen it, but you love Breaking Bad, I think you definitely should watch it. But does this just not uh, feel like it was a bonus feature on a DVD for a planned epilogue? Because <laughs> it does have that vibe about it where... Nothing that much even really happened. It, like I was really surprised that the time frame is only like yeah, it's not a massive time frame from the end of the series, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really push the character much. It just it kind of explores what they had hinted at before. I I I, I honestly thought it was going to be kind of about like his new life. Like I thought that was what El Camino was going to be, and it just wasn't. And I don't hate it for that. I just don't think it pushed the story forward. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, but I think unfortunately, with obviously when we're ranking individual films, we try not to really hold what came before it against, or you know, or what came before it either hold it in regards to that because films need to stand on their own. But when you are making a sequel to something, uh, this isn't a remake. It's not a sequel; it is an epilogue. Yeah, Um, I, I think we have to ask the question: Is this the best format for it? And I actually agree with you. I think. Um, I almost would have preferred this if it were to be a um, a, a TV series, I think. Yeah, this um, is what I mean. Like, the timing was really weird of it because it came in the middle of Better Call Saul's kind of heightened days where it was in between season. Everybody who was watching it was loving it. And I just feel like now we know Better Call Saul is coming to an end after this season. Oh, no, two more seasons. I feel like it would have been better off waiting for Better Call Saul to kind of wrap everything their end up. And then for this to come in and go, ah, so more Breaking Bad universe rather than this kind of like weird time frame that it ended up coming into. Yeah, and I think just going back to where it sits on the list, it's nowhere near the the films on the top half of our list. So Mission Impossible, Fallout, Wayne's World, Happy Death Day, Soul and Midsummer, I think are movies that there's more in there to enjoy and appreciate. I think these are better films than El Camino. It's it's better than Batman and Robin. I mean, that's not that's not you know. It sounds like it's a bit of a downer. I enjoyed this film more than you did, I think, um, by what I'm getting. But it's it's better than than Batman and Robin for sure, um, and certainly better than Ready Player One and Hubie Halloween. So I agree with you. I think sixth place on our list is probably where it deserves to be. But if you haven't seen this and you're currently in the middle of watching Breaking Bad for the um, for the first time, sorry for the spoilers, but definitely <laughs> do check it out because. Although it does feel like a, almost like an unnecessary epilogue. Um, it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. Um, if if this was condensed into a 15 minutes at the end of the last episode of Breaking Bad, I probably would have enjoyed it just as much. <laughs> um, but I did appreciate certain shots, like you say, when they built the sets. I did appreciate that. Um, and I appreciated where they took this story. Um, but it really... 
only went the only it, it went the only way it could. And Jesse um, Plemons was great at this. Like, I, I, I can't big up how creepy of a person Jesse Plemons can can play. So, I mean, yeah, the cast overall was great in this. Like, everyone pulled their weight, and I feel like my issue with it is more of a screenplay issue rather than any individual kind of like cinematography performance wise. So, one last question for you before we head over to take a look at the updated list: Would you like to see? any any more from the Breaking Bad universe that takes place after Breaking Bad. Obviously, we've had El Camino, we've got Better Call Saul, which is a spin-off, but also we have Five Seconds a Season that is a, a sequel um, to, to Breaking Bad. Is is there anything within this universe that you'd like to see a movie of? So, not after, but I think I think Gus Fring is the obvious place you need to go to next. Like, like he had his whole world around him that was kind of going around. And there's so much, like, like you could have a whole Narcos-esque kind of, like, Gus Fring series. And I just feel like that would be, like, that That feels like the most fledged out thing to explore in that universe that so far. Bear in mind when he comes into Breaking Bad in season three or season four, I can't remember exactly. He, like, his whole universe is already formed around him. And, yeah. we, and, we, and we never really got to explore that apart from a few flashbacks. So I'd absolutely love to see, like, him creating his little empire and the kind of like drug wars that go underneath there. And I feel like that would be, as much as I love Better Call Saul, uh, a Gus Ring series seems more fully fledged of a long-term thing for me. Um, so I think that'd be the obvious place to go next. But what about a sequel series? Um... Uh, in terms of sequel, like, I, I, I really enjoyed how they left Breaking Bad. It was one of the few series where they left out on a high at the height yeah. but like they didn't game of thrones it where they left it going a bit too long and then it kind of like if it flipped out um breaking bad went out on a high and for me spoilers again for breaking bad but you know like seven eight years too late now like <laughs> he dies at the end and i feel like breaking bad should end with, with walter white dying and right. um, i yeah. i just think if there was one movie that you could make from and you're probably going to disagree with me because of how how it ended um, but bear with me here, and uh, maybe jump in the shark a little bit. For me, what I always wanted from, and we get a little bit of this in Better Call Saul, but what I wanted, if we were ever going to have a movie that takes place after Breaking Bad, I would have loved to have seen a story about Mike. Now, I understand <laughs> that Mike died in... No, he definitely died. <laughs> well, he got shot and he fell over. Maybe he just passed out. I don't know. Oh, but of all the characters that I could... If there was just to be a feature length, not a not a, a, a TV series, because I do think, like you say, uh, with Gus and Rebecca, uh, with, uh, with Saul Goodman, there's more to tell there. And Mike is used perfectly in, um, in Better Call Saul. But I would love to just see uh, a great little indie flick about a guy who wants to provide for his granddaughter but everyone wants him dead you know i'd, I'd love to watch 90 minutes have that. have that film just don't sell it afterwards just set it during breaking bad <laughs> there's no there's no need to make it happen like you could literally have um what is it is it called the wolf from um pulp fiction you could basically have like a like a mike-esque wolf kind of thing there going on which would be great but just don't set it after because he's dead. If you go back in and resurrect Mike, like I'm done. I'm done. I'm 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 out of Breaking Bad. Well, I think we are done with talking about this movie. But get uh, hashtag Mike the movie trending, uh, <laughs> and we will see where that takes us. Should we throw over now to the updated list? Yes. So, 
Okay. So, so we won't go through all the all the films again because we've only just gone through that. But I think, as I say, sitting at number six is probably where it deserves to be. I'm going to be interested to see where the films that we talk about later on in the show actually um, are being compared to, to these movies because the problem of ranking every movie um, and not doing just comic book movies or indie movies or whatever is that we have so many different genres <laughs> on this list. <laughs> um, next up is a comedy. Um, Callum, do you want to take the lead on this? or I, I will happily take the lead. This should be number one on the list. It's Richard Linklater doing, proving he can make like blockbuster films. It's got Jack Black in. It's an all-time classic. Kind of like Home Alone. And I feel like we keep referencing Home Alone, despite it not being listed yet. But it's one of those films that isn't a kid's film. It isn't an adult's film. It's a perfect family film in the truest sense. Everyone loves this film. Like, the cast is great. It's one, it's one of those weird films that has kids in, but they're not bad kid actors. Like, like, like there's no, like, really showy, like, Broadway kids or anything. It's just a great-up story that feels genuine and heartened. Um, the music's great in it. it. It's relatively simple, but you go on a journey. It's, it's not like a, oh, like, this has happened. It's a full-on journey that you go on with these characters. And the, it's just so good. The soundtrack is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's even spawned a musical that's actually good. That, that kind of proves how decent of a film this is. And it's original. Like, we don't see these kind of films in Hollywood anymore. I just love this film so much. Okay. Uh, throw over to my minute, please. Okay. Uh, I'm going to quickly read my notes that I have here. My notes read, Callum will put this at number one. <laughs> um, those, those are my notes. Um, now, we'll talk about... Well, this, this is my one-minute interrupter, so I'm going to say it now. I don't think it is number one. I do think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. It suits any mood. I think if you're having a good day or a bad day, this movie will make you feel even better. Um, I love the I love the music. I actually think the music's good. I listen to the soundtrack. I think the music is great. It's got great supporting um, actors. I've completely forgot when I watched this recently that Sarah Silverman's in it. <laughs> uh, she plays a bit part. She's great. Um, but but how great is Jack Black? It's probably the best that he's that he's been. Um, I think Mission Impossible um, Fallout is a better movie. Um, I think it's made a bit more competently, only because some of the stage stuff makes me cringe a little bit. Okay, well, let's, let's debate it. Fight me on it. Um, I, 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 think, I think it's better than Wayne's World, and I couldn't have said that with David on the show last week. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's better than Wayne's World, so I think this film's going to be top two. Um, if we're comparing it to Wayne's World, which is another comedy, this for me has more laughs a minute than what Wayne's World does. More heart, find... hmm? more heart in it as well. It, oh, more it, heart! It feels yeah. way more genuine. Like, like I, I love Wayne's World, but Wayne's World is very much this is a skit. We're doing this. School yeah. of Rock feels like it's the actual heart behind it. I feel like it feels like it's, it's made by actual people. Yeah, and actual people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ab- absolutely, um, I think Wayne's World's you could look at that and think this is a, a feature length skit this is a movie it has beats it does have heart like you say it's got great messages um even what is normally the the i don't know like the call to action part of the the movie um it's probably even the call to action part of the movie is it but when he Lie takes your cv <laughs> when 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 he takes her out for a beer to try and convince them um, to to do what he wants them to do with the music and uh, the gigs and stuff like that and the competitions. Just that scene itself, the way that that, that it moves the story forward. It, it, any opportunity it has to be funny, it is funny. 
um and it is a it's a really strong comedy and you can know the 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 jokes in your head and you know when they're coming but you laugh at them anyway because that's how good this film is yeah it's really weird in that it's funny but it doesn't make straight up jokes which is weird for a family film like there's no like oh look they're doing a comedy over there like like there's yeah. no like slapstick or anything it's, it's just a naturally funny film and i think the reason behind that is it's one of the few like big blockbuster films where they've let jack black be jack black i, I i'm a massive fan of jack black and this is what i wanted from this Mm-hmm. It's just him. It's just him doing him, which is very rare to see. Like, I think this is why we don't see much in Hollywood anymore because he because he kind of gets, yeah. Like, people are worried that Jack Black is Jack Black and we don't really allow him to do his thing. But like, let him do his thing with a great director, Richard Linklater, and this is what you get. It yeah. it, it was the perfect collaboration between the two people here, in my in, in my opinion, and I think that's why it works because it feels so genuine because it is. Jack Black collaborating with the director Richard Linklater here. Yep, and again, and for the guys watching at home, the reason I'm laughing is because any reason that Callum could bring up Richard Linklater, he will. <laughs> um, and I'm surprised you haven't brought up Boyhood just yet. Um, and this is we're saving than that. We're saving that. <laughs> um, this is way better than Boyhood. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, no, I I do disagree with an earlier point you made about all the kid actors being great i do think it's a weak part sometimes um but that's always going to happen when you have so many kid actors in a movie um with with (laughs) you can't expect a whole literally a classroom full of kids to all act perfectly i mean that's not going to happen but i think it's a right level of cheese it takes itself sorry it takes itself seriously enough that it is trying to be a good movie, which is good because I think in another person's hands, this would have just been a kid's movie and it's absolutely not just a kid's movie because like I said, no matter what mood you're in, no matter what age you are, there is something in this film to enjoy. I don't think it's better than Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, yeah, okay. We need to debate that. But first of all, have you seen the film Nativity over here with Martin Freeman? Uh, I refuse to talk about that right now, but yeah, I have. Because that, 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 that... This could have been that, okay? This could have been that. Um, And somehow it just didn't become that. And I absolutely love it for that reason. It still feels similar. I think a lot with films with like younger cast and stuff, it feels like it's shot so it's really easy for the kids to be there. This does not feel like that way. Like this feels like every shot's still kind of planned and and it's a set story. And it just feels so cinematic still for being a kids and family film, which is Mm -hmm. quite rare these days. Well, it's interesting you say that because the, the choreography, um, like you said, there's always something for kids to be doing. They're not just motionless dolls that are in the background until it's their turn to do something. There isn't the occasional bit where a gourmet kid's in the background just staring at the camera like <laughs> this, like you often get um, in in movies that feature kids and toddlers and things. But I, I, I do think it's a boatload of fun. I do think it's a boatload of fun. And weirdly, um, this film doesn't do the classic family thing of basically reaching the final act and going, well, shit. We need to make this film come to an end. It feels like a full-on arc that was meant to be there the whole time. It yeah. wasn't like we need to finish it. Let's make some really dramatic beat. It just all flows so well. Like the whole finale is a great finale. It doesn't feel shoehorned in at all. I think yeah. that's probably one of the best bits of the film is the ending. I mean, even mm. even like the little epilogue, like where he's got his own little like music school. Like that's just so heartwarming to see at the end. And I absolutely love that bit of the film. 
it's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie um the the end credits um and it makes me laugh and i'm still having fun like i'm smiling from start to finish for me the key question is is this a better comedy than what mission impossible fallout is an action movie and for me i think when you word it like that it actually becomes a little bit closer for me um because could, could, could this so much have... more than just a, a comedy though yeah, and I guess that's right. I mean, but for me, Mission Impossible is also more than just an among this like action movie. You know, there is a tight story there. Um, so, what are you thinking? Talk to me. <laughs> You're having a real tough time. Aren't it's you? really hard because I absolutely love Mission Impossible Fallout, and I love mm-hmm. School of Rock, and they both do diff- and they both do really different things for me. They're both films that I can put on halfway through and enjoy enjoy it which is what the issue is like they're both really watchable films with really talented people really talented directors the the structural integrity of both films are great mission impossible fallout Mm -hmm. doesn't the ending doesn't feel forced like many films do it's really hard because they are kind of like they are like par to par like they are as films they're equal which is really hard yeah like i feel like this may have to go to you because i i'm on the fence like I'm very slightly School of Rock over Mission Impossible Fallout, but I think that may just be because of the nostalgia of, of seeing School of Rock my whole life and Mission Impossible Fallout only coming out two years ago. So that may be why I rank it above. But they are, it's, they're, they're both brilliant films. And now we've both talked about these films, number one and two, and, and there is a massive gap to number three at the moment in our list. Yeah, right. and and that's that's what you've got to say. I mean, Wayne's World. I know with um, David is on the show last week. It's his favourite film of all time. Um, for me, just in terms of like I said, if we're just looking at comedy versus comedy, this this takes it. In terms of just how tight the script is, this takes it over Wayne's World. Um, how great the performances are for me, this takes it over Wayne's World. So yeah, for me, there is a gulf, um, a massive gulf between School of Rock and Wayne's World. Um, it definitely is top two. I know that you've handed this over to me because we're probably going to get a bit of flack um, <laughs> if we put this over Mission Impossible Fallout. Guys, please do let us know where you think this should go on our list. For me, I am going to put this... Oh, I think Such power. I, th- I think we have to put it number two. Okay. I think we have to put it number two. Um, just because there's one or two things I don't like about this film and they're so minute so so minute i mean literally we're talking about 30 seconds where you know oh maybe i'll just i'll pop for a pee break um <laughs> because i don't i don't care for um for the oh, what's his name i can't remember his name the guy that he's playing in this movie Nechley? oh it's not Nechley. i don't know what his actual character name is though <laughs> <laughs> i've seen no, him but like, so many times and I don't but when when like him. he goes to school and he finds out that actually uh they've already got a supply teacher or actually Jack Black's being a supply teacher or something like that. Um, clearly our stream doesn't agree with my opinion because it just cut me <laughs> out then. Um, I think it has to go number two. But just by... That was tough though. I, I think, I think that's been... five yeah. of a rating. 0.5. I think that's been the toughest decision we've had to make on this show yeah. so far. Yeah, let's take a look. So we'll run from uh, bottom to top. Hubie Halloween, Ready Player One, Batman and Robin, El Camino, Midsummer, Soul, Happy Death Day, Wayne's World, and then School of Rock. And just ahead, by the tiniest of margins, Mission Impossible, Fallout. So there is technically 
our current list of top 10 movies of all time, Callum. <laughs> Do we <laughs> think Zombieland Double Tap is going to get in there above Mission Impossible okay. Fallout? So... Uh, do you want to chuck the minute my way? Yeah, chuck the minute my way. Um, so when we're talking about top ten films of all time, this isn't this isn't one of them. Uh, if we're talking about top ten um, on our list, one's now got to give way. It's either going to be between this and Hubie Halloween. I think that's what we're talking about. Um, at number nine, we've got Ready Player One, and as much as I don't like that film, I do think it's better than this. Um, I think that personally, um, I've, I think that personally there's enough in Ready Player One for me to find it engaging, but Zombieland, it lost me. It lost me early on, and I just wasn't invested. There's one thing I liked about this movie, and that was one of the new supporting um, um, actresses. I thought she was hilarious, but I couldn't tell you her name. I couldn't tell you why. A lot of people found her annoying, but I thought it was a nice addition, but I didn't care for, for the characters and it's crazy to think that in the original i loved the characters so much that in the sequel i wouldn't give a shit what happened to them yeah so zombie land is kind of like one of our family classic films that we always put on so when this film was coming out it kind of came out of nowhere and like as fans of the original film nobody was asking for this it feels very much like there was a hollywood boardroom and they were like we need to we need we need, we need some money let's make a film what can we make a sequel to there was no reason for this i mean i think i think like the comedy of 10 years ago is a lot harder to kind of keep up especially with like woody harrison's character and and they kind of joke about that a bit but it just doesn't work um i just don't even like there's not really even a story to tell here like i i watched it a year ago and i can't really even recall the story that much like like the young girl goes away right and then they have to go and find her again and yeah, that's basically the probably <laughs> and that's basically the story it's just yeah. so unneeded like it's nowhere near as bad as hubie halloween because those characters were already set in stone and we really had a relationship with them but like you i don't I, have to talk anymore mate don't worry about it your time's up i like ready player one and this is nowhere again as much as there's a gap between school of rock and wayne's World number two and three there's now a huge gap for me between ready player one number nine and hubie halloween number ten um i'm yeah. And this conversation, like you said, is going to be, is it better or worse than Shubi Halloween? And I think it's be- I think it's better than Shubi Halloween by quite a long way, but it's, it's okay. nowhere near Ready Player One. Uh, would you like to see my notes uh, from this movie? I will tell you. I said, did Woody Harrison's character die? Question mark. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I couldn't. And if you'd, if you'd said to me in the first movie that in the sequel you wouldn't be able to remember just months after watching the film whether Woody Harrison's character dies or not, I would have said, how bad is that sequel? And for me, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing about this movie is that it's a massive letdown. So I forgot. If we were ranking Bill Murray scenes in in the Zombieland films, it would be another conversation because that whole... Do you remember the Garfield press conference scene in Zombieland 2? I've completely forgot about it until you oh, just said. I, I, I can't remember if it's post-credits or anything, but that was the highlight of my film. And when a cameo post-credit scene is mm-hmm. the best bit in a film, you, you've got a problem. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is a post-credit scene just because it was um, it was kind of what happened at the beginning of the outbreak, right? Oh, was yeah. talking about how he was doing press for for garfield and then all this all this happened <laughs> i remember that so 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 much more than the actual film itself yeah and i remember coming out of it going 
Like, at least I spent my time for that post-credit scene at the end. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Every time I go to watch a movie, no matter who I'm with, no matter how good or bad the film is, I always ask someone. As soon as 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 soon as we we leave the auditorium, I say, "What did you think?" With this, okay, I didn't ask that, and I remember in my mind because normally people are like, "Well, can you give me time to digest that, please?" Or people are like, "Oh my god, that was so great. Let's talk about it." I as soon as I walked out, I completely forgot about this film. I completely forgot about it, and. If we're comparing it to Hubie Halloween, I have not forgot about that film. It's just, <laughs> it's Some just things, for better or worse, they're stuck in my head. I also remember, weirdly, I remember the CGI really standing out and you're just not looking good. And, like, yeah. that shouldn't be an issue in this day and age with a film like Zombieland. Zombieland probably had a good enough budget, but I just remember the CGI being really ropey. There was no jokes that I really remember. I don't know. It was just, yeah. It was just such a letdown of a film. Like, they could have done... Like, I, I think it was talked about before of a Zombieland TV show where in very much in a World War Z book kind of esque way, they follow different characters. Now that would have been fucking perfect for that. Like, could you imagine if we got a Netflix Zombieland series where mm-hmm. we follow different characters and then occasionally you would get a celeb one and it would be great because there'd be a, like a cameo episode and then we'll go back to another original character episode. That would have been the perfect way to follow this up. But this is just like... It was such a letdown when there's so much they could have done. Talking about it, I would have loved that series. It would have been so good. Like, could you imagine having a rock episode following yeah. him through the outbreak as the rock? And yeah. then, then goes like an original character. Like, it just would have worked so well as an anthology series instead of whatever this was. So they did try uh, the, I don't know if you ever watched the pilot. Uh, or was it actually a series that was released? I can't oh, remember. Oh, it was on Prime. Yeah, this is why. Yeah, yeah I forgot that even came and out. To it got cancelled straight away because they didn't really know what to do with the property, and it was just almost a carbon copy of um, Zombieland One. This, for me, felt like they completely didn't understand what made the first Zombieland great, and the bits they did work in this film were just a copy and paste from the first movie. Um, for me, if we're going back to our list, Batman and Robin, for me. I can have fun with how bad that movie is, but, and we'll talk about it in a later episode, I'm sure. I do genuinely like Batman Forever. I do genuinely like that movie. And so Batman and Robin was just a massive, a massive letdown, but I can have fun with it. Ready Player One, I had, I could have fun with just, there was so much in the frame that I can be like, oh, oh shit, I've played that <laughs> game. And that's, that's making an appearance. I wasn't expecting that. And that happens about 10 times, 20 times, maybe a thousand times in the movie for some people. Um, if we're talking about Zombieland Double Tap, I don't understand, apart from the post credit scene, which isn't really part of the movie, <laughs> um, I don't understand what you can really get out of this film. Um, it was okay at best, whereas the rest of the films in our top 10, we've said something positive about them. Um, and Hubie Halloween is, is worse <laughs> than this movie. It's not even a conversation. But there are nine other films on this list that are better than Zombieland Double Tap. By a long way. I think there's now a massive gap and I feel like it's going to be really interesting seeing like we've now got these solid two films up. Okay, should we go take a look at the list and then actually talk Let's about it? Let's take a look at the list, yeah. So what are we going to say? Should we go from the bottom to the top? Um, yeah. Um, so I agree. I, I do think even from um, between nine and ten, I think there's a gulf now. 
Um, I think when we were uh, ranking Ready Player One, we only had a few films on the list at that point. And so it seemed like the worst film in the world at, at that stage. Um, but Hubie Halloween, 11, Zombieland, Double Tap at 10. And that's so far removed from the rest of the list, uh, <laughs> list for me. Ready Player One, followed by Batman and Robin, El Camino at seven, Midsummer at six. At five, we've got Soul. In fourth place, we've got Happy Death Day. At third, we've got Wayne's World, and then really the top two, which is far, far and away better than the rest of the list. We've got School of Rock and Mission and uh, Impossible Fallout. So your thoughts on the now 11 films we have on this list, Callum? Yeah, same as you. I think there's three really like distinctive chunks that have come out of this now. We've got Mission Impossible School of Rock at the top, which are superb films. And then we've got the kind of like medium tier films, which are like, I would watch if they was on TV, but I'll, I maybe wouldn't go back and watch them specifically. Yeah. And then we've got the two, there's not even stinkers. There's one stinker and one film I've forgotten about completely after I came out of the cinema. So it's really interesting to see these, see these kind of like chunks come out now. And I feel like, I feel like Midsummer or, or El Camino at number six or seven is the kind of like, is it better or is it worse? And then we should start going from there at the moment. How about you? Um, well, I'm excited to um, to see how films are, are going to fit in with the list, uh, this list, because now I do think we do have three tiers. I think we've got two films at the bottom of the list. We have films that I think are, are going to become interchangeable. And I think when we have guests on the show and we give them the power at the um, at the top end of their um, of their appearances to move a film up or down the list, I think there's a there's room for some of those films to move up or down. But then, yeah, we we do have at the at the peak of the mountain, we have School of Rock and Mission Impossible, uh, which I think are going to be up there for some time. If they're not up there for some time, then it's it's going to be down to our guests really convincing us otherwise, which could happen because we thought Soul was going to be the top of this list. And then David came in on the last show and completely changed our minds. Um, and if you haven't seen that episode, guys, please be sure to check that out because he was, he was a great guest and he really did do some mind manipulation on us when it came to our opinion of what was at that point our favourite film of the year and then found itself... Um, in fifth place um, on our list. Uh, we've got future guests coming on. Every Friday, we're gonna have guests and we're very much looking forward to our guests next week um, or this week, uh, but be sure to check that one out. Please do not forget to um, like and subscribe because we are gonna try to really have more input from the audience, the people watching, hop on our social media feeds and let us know what you agree with and what you disagree with. Probably Sol, I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time I've been Brad and with me has been Callum goodbye <laughs>